What's up, tea amigos? Welcome to Fresh Steeps, uncovering the health benefits of tea for your active life. My name is Vince Lapalusa, and I am your host and guide on this tea journey. I'm a chemical engineering athlete who has been obsessed with the health benefits of herbs and tea for over 10 years now, and I'm honored to lead this journey of understanding tea better. Today, I hosted Daria Rose. Daria is an author of Foodist and Summer Tomato, podcast host, neuroscience PhD, former dieter, wife, and mother. If you are someone who has tried every diet under the sun and failed, uh, think of green tea as a weight loss supplement, or are simply interested in digging into how the neuroscience of dieting works, this is the show for you. Tune into our conversation to figure out how tea plays a role in our dieting habits and what the best ways to lose weight are. Grab your tea, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. So Daria, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I am wonderful. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. Super excited um, to dig into this. So first first off, I'd like to start these conversations by asking, what are you drinking today? Well, so I, I normally, I, I've become in my old age, I've become very sensitive to caffeine. Yeah. And unfortunately, I have to limit my my caffeine consumption to mornings and very small amounts. So I can either have tea and, you know, I can have any any tea in the morning or half a cup of coffee. It's like, and it has to be like before 8 a.m. type of thing. Yeah. Um, but uh, I have, I used to have all these herbal teas, beautiful herbal teas from this uh, Kauai tea company. And um, I think my husband threw them all away. Oh, no. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I went in there to get one and uh, the best I could do was like a calming yogi tea. So. That doesn't sound too bad, but it's all that's, right. you know, you have to talk with him afterwards because that's, yeah. that's not acceptable. I tossed my oolongs too. And I was just like, you know, that's grounds for divorce. <laughs> <laughs> for a tea drinker. Yeah. You know, you, you don't just get rid of tea. <laughs> that's well, not he, he was like, they're old. I'm like, yeah, but I was still drinking them and they're not that old. Gosh. Right. And that's like, that's something that I love about tea is, and people always ask me like what the expiration is on teas. And for the most part, they really can last a long time, especially if you're just keeping it in like a cupboard or something and they don't get wet for any reason. They last a really long time and the they'll taste maybe a little off, but like compared to the fresh stuff, but honestly, it's pretty yeah, good. I think, yeah, you really have to be careful with the with the bright green senchas or the mm, matchas. Mm-hmm. Like those will go off because they're so fresh and so volatile. But yeah, yeah the age or the not age, but the the more oxidized teas like the, I, I love the Formosa oolongs. Those are my favorite. Mm, and yeah. the ones from Taiwan, they're so good, but yeah. And they last a really long time. I mean, yeah, you're right. They're like a little better when they're like fresh out of the, you know, mine, mine are like vintage, you know, they're like spring 2020. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah. And they're, they're, they're like amazing when you first get them, but they're still really good. Like even a year later. So yeah, yeah. I get, it's sad if they get tossed out because they're not cheap. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. No, I agree. Well, I want to jump into to you and your life. Um, so I thought just to start this off, I'd love for you to kind of give yourself give a little background on yourself, on your studies, your research, who you are, whatever you want to kind of take that as. Sure. So I am well, I'm many things. I think <laughs> I often introduce myself as a former dieter. So I yeah. started dieting 
when I was very young, I grew up in Southern California in the eighties and nineties and like the Baywatch era. My mom was mm. a crazy chronic dieter, did every diet under the sun. And I just sort of picked up that habit from her, like didn't have a weight problem. It was completely cosmetic and ridiculous. Yeah. And I just sort of carried that with me until I got to college and then it got a little bit more extreme because, you know, I was in college <laughs> and, <laughs> and it was like, and it was also, but it was this like constant battle because I was constantly depriving myself and then I would, you know, overindulge sometimes. And it was just not, not a healthy way to be. And I wasn't happy at all either with how I looked or how I felt. And but in, like the other part of my life, I was studying molecular cell biology, and then I got into neuroscience. And ultimately, I went on to get a PhD in neuroscience. And throughout that process, eventually, I became educated enough to and have the access to read primary scientific literature, which is very challenging. It takes years and years of training before you can even read a paper and understand what right. it's talking about. Yeah. And you know, as at that point, I was like running marathons to try to lose weight. And, you know, there was other reasons to do that. But, it, you know, it was just it was not going the way I envisioned. And so I decided one day to just go deep in the science and figure it out. And I spent probably a year reading papers on weight loss and nutrition and these things. And what I discovered was that I was doing everything wrong. So <laughs> I, I was sort of expecting to find there were to be some perfect diet. And I kind of expected it to be something low carb. You know, that sound, that was kind of yep. the era. It was like 2003, 2004. Mm -hmm. And, but that doesn't really pan out. Pretty much every diet you try works at the beginning, like almost all of them. Yeah. And then almost all of them stop working after a year. Low carb works a little bit longer or lasts for about six months. <laughs> and this is even if people stick to it, which is interesting. So there, there's just something, but also, but mainly people don't stick to it. That like, that's the, the tricky part is that right. torturing yourself indefinitely is not a sustainable way to live. Not at all. No. And uh, so I was like, okay, well, I felt like I kind of hit a brick wall there. But then I was like, well, there are people that don't have this problem. Like people who are just sort of naturally thin and healthy their whole lives. Well, what do they do? Right. And it turns out that it's pretty simple. They just have a lot of habits that are healthy that keep them in check. So it's not that they never eat dessert or never do anything indulgent so much as, you know, they get regular exercise, not necessarily in the gym, but, you know, they're active people. They, they walk a lot. They, they garden, they do things. They also tend to eat very balanced, you know, they have vegetables and carbs and meat, but in, in, in like sensible portions, they're very, they tend to just be very boring, sensitive, sensible people. <laughs> yeah. And it just is the, so the opposite of American diet culture, right? Which is so like, get shredded, blah, get shredded in three days. And, mm -hmm. you know, I was, it was just like, and, but I was like, you know what, this is my, and, and on top of that, dieting actually promotes weight gain in the long run. So yeah. in the short run, you can lose weight on almost any diet. After a year, you're kind of back where you started and three years out, you're probably higher because you've probably built a bunch of bad habits of binging and mm -hmm. all sorts of weird stuff. Maybe you've lost muscle mass and slowed your metabolism. There's lots of issues that can happen and dieting is a better predictor of weight gain over the long run than weight loss. So I was just like, I got to stop that. 
I just decided I, I was going to stop. And, and I have to say it was a little terrifying because when you've been doing the same thing for like 15 years, thinking that that's the best thing, it's hard to just be like, yeah. I'm going to eat oatmeal, like <laughs> carbs in it. Yeah. All right. That sounds terrifying. I'm pretty sure I'm going to be 10 pounds heavier in a week, but it wasn't. And, and then I proceeded to feel way better. My sleep got better. I had much more energy to exercise. I stopped exercising like a maniac also, mm. like I just started, like I used to spend just hours in the gym and running and stuff. And I was just like, I'm going to do 30 minutes of strength training, 30 minutes of cardio and go home and just call it. Yeah. And, uh, I started losing weight super slowly, but I like went down and I went down and I went down until I hit my goal weight. And then I kept going down and kept going down. And I, I think I ended up like six or seven pounds below my goal weight. And I just stayed there forever yeah. <laughs> until I got pregnant. So <laughs> I, that that's that's me, and you know what what's what's interesting is after that I decided to start a blog called Summer Tomato, and I started telling people about what happened to me and and this process, yeah. and I started trying to help other people do it, and I realized that so much of what's hard for people is the behavior change, so you know because you have to cook if you want to eat like I'm talking about, you have to. So that means there's a bunch of habits that go around cooking. You have to be able to go to the grocery store. You have to know how to cook. You have to have time to cook or figure out a way in your life to make it all happen. And so I just started helping people do that. And, um, and so that's like, it's interesting. Like the neuroscience came back for that part because yeah. that's all the brain and like how, how to actually get your brain and your body to do what you know is best and what you want it to do and to break those bad habits because that's the hard part. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, yeah. so, so much of that is, it resonates with me. I mean, I grew up same like my parents were always on like Weight Watchers. That was a big one for, for my childhood, like being surrounded by that. And even just experimenting myself, it was something that I've, I've done. And it's, you know, just like you said, I've realized the things that work for me are, like you said, the cooking cooking for myself mm -hmm. like it's just because now i know what i'm putting into it instead of buying what i think might be healthy and then you find out there's just a whole bunch of additives and crap and like your salad and you're like oh that's actually not any better than i than like the cheeseburger would be that i would make like myself or something like that yeah um so yeah you know, like what's you interesting said, is i feel yeah. like a lot of women don't realize how that men do this too i think with women yeah. it's the pressure is maybe a little higher but most men i know do do the exact same thing yeah, yeah, I know. It's something I, I'm, I mean, I would say to a, to an extent I've, I've struggled with like that body dysmorphia type, type thing in my life mm -hmm. where just for some reason I've always had an image of myself that's just been unhealthy. And yet at the same time, I've been playing, I've been active my whole life, playing sports my mm -hmm. whole life. Never, this has been my least active because right now I'm, I'm injured from the sport that I currently do. But, and it's, and it tortures me mentally because now my activity is going for walks instead of, going to the gym for an hour, two hours a day. So, but uh, yeah, it's, it's something across the board for men and women, which is important to talk about in regards to the neuroscience behind that, like in the actual building habits, because I think that's, that's important. And I kind of want, I'm interested from your perspective, being a neuroscientist, what, what kind of goes into that? I don't know if that's like too general of a question, but what's the actual like neuroscience of building habits? Cause I feel like that is something that's I've heard like 30 days, is it, to build a habit or something like that? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, I've heard that too. It's uh, That's not right. So <laughs> habits take any amount of time to develop. Uh, 
it, what's more important? Well, it's true. They're, they're different levels levels of difficulty right yeah so quitting smoking <laughs> is really hard whereas yeah. uh you know learning to throw your socks in the hamper is if you're married to my husband apparently even harder than <laughs> <laughs> um, no there's a lot of there's a lot involved and it depends on sure. how hard the habit is how rewarding it can be and how motivated you are to do it and your own your own sort of neurochemistry like there's a lot we're all different and mm. what's easy for one person can be really tough for another person so there's no sort of magic number like if you do x for so long it's gonna build a habit and actually that doesn't work regardless so even if you do the same thing over and over again for a year mm. if it's something you're forcing yourself to do with willpower it's not a habit Habits, mm. like by definition are something that happen automatically and the way that works is there's a a trigger, so something that prompts the habit to begin. And yeah. sometimes those are conscious and sometimes they're not. Usually, if in order for it to be a true habit, it sort of has to hit on the subconscious level to remind you to do the activity. Mm-hmm. Then there's whatever the activity is. And always with a the habit, there's some sort of reward associated with it that then reinforces that trigger. So it's very you know Pavlovian mm-hmm. neural circuitry for that. I think where most people get tripped up is because it's all subconscious, people try to like put willpower and like conscious their way into a habit. But, and and when they do that, they often misunderstand what the actual trigger is and what the actual reward is. And so they do it wrong and then it doesn't stick. But uh, so that's kind of the, the art form to it is you have to really get in touch with what's going on subconsciously and be super honest with yourself about what your triggers are and what the reward is. And mm-hmm. moreover, it's super important that the reward is intrinsic to the activity. And that's hard too, because not, especially when it comes to health, because a lot of healthy activities people perceive as not particularly fun. So mm-hmm. if you have that attitude, like you're already losing. Right. So, um, so like for for instance, like giving you a monetary reward or something for going to the gym, it'll keep people motivated for like some amount of time, but ultimately it'll actually undermine any natural intrinsic joy you might've had from going to the gym and like feeling good about getting those endorphins up and whatnot, Mm. because it gets undermined by this extrinsic reward. So that's actually like, we'll undo habits in the long run versus strengthening habits. So, you know, I, I always see people trying to do some sort of extrinsic reward or some sort of extrinsic punishment. And it just doesn't work the same way as if you find, find stuff you really enjoy and do it (laughs) and like, and figure out a way to integrate it into your life so that you can do it regularly. For sure. Yeah. That's something I've noticed in my life where, especially the environmental factors, like things in my home, I've realized like when I go to bed, I start to do a certain thing. Like, for example, I'll check my phone, like where it's like, I know I want to stop doing that. And yet every time I get in bed, it's like, I feel the trigger. It's like automatically, it's like, all right, I'm going to go grab for my phone. And I'm trying to do the whole replacement instead type Mm -hmm. therapy where it's like, okay, instead of grabbing my phone, I have either my journal or a, a book that I'm interested in right next to my bed stand. So I try to grab those instead of my phone and How's it going? bad, <laughs> terrible, 
because especially when there's no one else to hold you accountable and it's just you it's like oh okay i'll just do it again tonight and then you're like oh, okay i'll go to bed but yeah it's 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 horrible but um but at least i'm like the thing i'm saying positively is at least i'm aware that i know like i'm triggered by this by like going mm-hmm. to bed for example and wanting to do that but yeah trying to trying to find and i've just replacements for the things that I want to change about my habits and do that. I've found some reprieve in some areas. And like I said, it's kind of challenging in, in other areas. It is. It's tricky. So what I would ask you in the case of your bed situation is like, what is it about getting in bed that's triggering you yeah. to want to look at your phone? Is it is it your mind afraid to relax? You know, are you looking yeah, for one last dopamine hit before right? before bed? That's That's something I think I need to meditate on after <laughs> after the show because i don't have an answer for you right now and if i did maybe that would unlock exactly like what you're saying so right because sometimes i might mean like a lot and then this is true a lot a lot of people have trouble turning off the tv putting down the phone at night mm-hmm. and it's very often that we are we're, we're so anxious you know we have so much anxiety and we've got so much like dopamine is this people think of it as like a feel-good molecule but it's really not it's a molecule that instigates cravings and action and agitation. So, you know, we are filled with it all day long because Mm -hmm. of our jobs, because of our, our digital life, because of just COVID, like, like, you know, there's a billion reasons we're all anxious. And so, you know, for, for people, it's really common now. And I I talk to people about this all the time is just being afraid to relax and not really knowing Mm. how anymore. And um, so, you know, for, in your case, if if it ends up being something like that, which I strongly su- su- suspect it would be, um, it, you might need to like sit with that discomfort for a minute and just see what it feels yeah. like and see what you're really running from. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, I mean, like the whole meditation practices that, because I do, I love to meditate in the morning, but mm-hmm. maybe I should start incorporating that at night. Or maybe when, just some breath work, you know, just yeah, like a, yeah, just there's some breath, like there's some breath work where you can actively uh if you exhale longer than you inhale mm-hmm. and with a little bit of breath hold like a four seven eight type of breaths or a box yep. breath you can actively lower your heart rate yeah and sometimes yeah. that will that will tell your brain oh i it's okay to relax i mm-hmm. am allowed to relax you know because sometimes we're like kind of rushing around before we get to our bed and our heart rate's up a little bit and that can be one of the reasons we're like oh still got to do something yeah yeah definitely <laughs> yeah I, I've, I've messed around with that like longer exhale i don't typically time it i just like know that okay that was a longer exhale and then just like a and then like yeah and, I've, and it does work like i've noted i've actually done it when also taking my heart rate <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's it's interesting it's a it's a fun little science experiment you can do for yourself totally um, you can take your uh, on the new aura ring you can take your heart rate in real time mm, so that's a good shout out fun to the experiment to do yeah <laughs> I just got it, so it's exciting. So, so that's exciting. Is that is that actually? I guess we'll do like a quick little advertisement for the <laughs> Is it actually like on a ring that you wear on your finger, or like it was? Yeah, it's a. It looks like oh. almost like a wedding ring, yeah, like, um, yeah. kind of a, a band. And uh, yeah, I've been wearing one for years. It it just tracks your sleep, but the new version uh, will track your heart rate. Kind of, you have to like push a little button, but it'll do it in real time oh, if you need. Nice. So it's mostly for sleep, not like exercise or anything like that. Yeah. Well, it does exercise too, but not nearly as well as like a Fitbit. Okay. Okay. That's good to know. Um, so going back to a little bit of the, the dieting aspects, something that I got, or we were talking a little bit before the show was 
I I know again, growing up um, in my family, I've heard of like green tea detoxes and diets and stuff like that. I'm curious what you see or what you think about that. If you've done any experiments with it, if you've lived it yourself, if you know any research behind it, like again, this is dieting, <laughs> so we know your we know yeah. your take on it, but specifically yeah. like with like the green tea stuff. You know, I definitely was when I was in the dieting world, I would try to drink green tea. Cause I heard that too. Um, the reality is like, it's just tea. It's not going to, you're not going to lose weight from drinking tea unless you're not eating something instead. Right. So, I mean, weight loss comes from burning calories yeah. and eating fewer calories. It's pretty straightforward. So, yeah. I mean, yes, there's a little caffeine in there, which in theory could temporarily increase your metabolism or, mm-hmm. or, you know, give you a little boost in a workout, yeah. which, but like, you're not going to lose any meaningful weight by drinking any liquid. Yeah. No, <laughs> unless it's and, just and, straight amphetamine or something, <laughs> <laughs> which I don't think you recommend. <laughs> I don't recommend. No, no. <laughs> yeah, I know. Cause that's uh and that's, it's funny. Cause people ask me all the time. They're like, I've been drinking green tea and I'm still, <laughs> I'm still heavy. I'm like, I never said that that would happen, but <laughs> like that was your mis- misinterpretation of something. Yeah. Maybe well, I've you know, said. green tea goes with the whole lifestyle, right? Yeah. Like often yeah. people who drink green tea have a lot of healthy habits that are probably keeping them slimmer. So, right. And, but unless you're doing all those things, don't don't expect a miracle. Yeah, yeah, yeah and exactly. And um, because I actually love to work with green tea before as like a pre-workout, like you were saying, mm-hmm. like, cause I get the energy boost from it, especially like a matcha green tea. Mm-hmm. It gives me an energy boost. And then I go oh, to jujitsu, I, I go that. to the gym, wherever. And all of a sudden I feel great. And I don't know. Yeah. In my mind, it's like, okay, if the caffeine's revving up my metabolism a little plus the workout, maybe I am burning a little more calories. I don't know. Do you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean if you have a better workout, like, yeah, there's like a long haul, maybe, benefit but i wouldn't say it's like for weight loss you know it might just be like a tool to help you build those other good habits yeah i'm curious do you get uh, queasy or nauseous if you have green tea on an empty stomach yes yeah this is uh this is something good to actually talk about because i definitely do and this is very common for a lot of people do you have you experienced it oh it's so bad like it's it might you know it's kind of like taking b vitamins on an empty stomach like i'll just be like hunched over and like yeah. ready to hurl but if i eat anything it fixes it yeah 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 that's it's 100 percent a thing and i've discovered just through experimentation myself a few different things that can help it um one like you said eating literally anything has takes it away almost immediately um the quality of tea has actually affected that as well. So when I've experienced it at its worst, it's when I buy just a crappy tea bag, like organic green tea bag that's just generic. Mm-hmm. That's when I've experienced it the worst. That on top of steeping it with no mind of time or temperature, just letting a, a tea bag sit in a cup of hot water for 10, 15 minutes. That's when I typically, oh, <laughs> yeah, no, this, that was my life. You, when I first started drinking tea, I don't even know if I should be saying this on a tea podcast, but <laughs> I literally would just take a tea bag, throw it in like my thermos or whatever, pour boiling water on top of it, and then just go out for the day and drink it over like two hours. So yeah, just terrible, terrible practices. But 
I noticed like when I'm conscious to, okay, making a good cup of high quality tea as well as just like proper steep times of like three minutes for green tea at like a lower temperature, it really soothes my stomach. and Or like cool. I sh- shouldn't say soothes, but it, I don't experience mm-hmm. that rough, I, I don't mm-hmm. even, it's, it's a unique experience that I do, that I've really only gotten from drinking green tea on an empty stomach. Yeah, I've had it from green tea and from multivitamins. And, and I think it's the, the B vitamins and the multivitamins that does it. So it's very, yeah, yeah and it's a very specific feeling and it's gross. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I, so for the longest time I was doing intermittent fasting and every morning I just wake up, make a green cup of green tea and feel terrible for the next hour. But I'm like, this is healthy. This is health. This is the punishment <laughs> for health. And then I'd move on with my life and I'm realizing it's like, oh, it's not necessary. You know, you don't need that. You don't need to right. feel like crap or anything. Um, but yeah, in regards to that, it's the, like I said, the the time and, and temperature is super interesting. Also, have you ever tried cold brewing tea? I have. Does that help? I haven't, I, I at this point, I just don't drink green tea if I haven't eaten. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, no, um, but I, but I, I do enjoy it, uh, especially in the summer, like a nice cold. Yeah. Brew. Yeah. Because yeah. The cold brew has also helped me. Cool. Good to um, know. That's been something, you know, it's interesting. I've I've heard and I'm trying to, like you said in regard or earlier about like reading research papers and stuff like that. It It is challenging. Like, so I, I studied chemical engineering. So it's like I have a decent foundation, but I didn't do any graduate or anything after mm-hmm. after my undergrad. And it's still, it sucks. Like it, I, it's like, I've seen that word. I know that's a word, but like, why can't these just be more legible to the lay person? Cause I'm like, I, I know kind of what that word is, but someone who doesn't have an engineering degree, like a, a chemical engineering, they're not going to have any idea. And I, the only reason I say that is cause like, I've been, I've been trying to read more research papers about the benefits of like cold brew versus hot brew and like why mm-hmm. there's different levels of caffeine and stuff like that. It's very interesting. It's, it is a science, a little science experiment every time you brew a cup of tea. Yeah. Yeah. So do you ever, and you said you had a lot of herbal teas. Do what's like your favorite herb to, to work with, to drink? Gosh, there's so many cool ones. When I was nursing my daughters, actually, I really got into tea because there's a bunch of nursing teas that actually increase breast milk production. Yeah. So I would, I was drinking, it was like fennel seeds and mm-hmm. fenugreek and moringa and goat's rue, like all these, all these things. Um, and they, they work. Uh, it's pretty amazing. Really? I, I, I really can't say enough good things about the, the Kauai tea company. They make the freshest, most beautiful herbal teas I've ever seen in my life. And, um, I visited mm-hmm. the farm and it's like this, like, um, utopia, like garden of Eden that they have. That's just like producing these amazing herbs. And, um, yeah. So I really, really like like almost anything they make. They just have these beautiful, like fragrant, delicious teas, and they have every superfood you can possibly imagine. It is. It's on the island of Kauai. Yeah, it's. Oh, I'm gonna so order it's on some the as soon as Kauai this. Called. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, especially if your husband threw out all the good. Yeah, stuff. I have to go like, get some like today. Heck? I'm like so mad I don't have it. It's really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. You know that's uh, that's interesting. Did you? Did, I don't know if in that list did you mention milk thistle? Uh, I didn't, but that's a good one too. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause I was like, I've, I've heard about milk thistle helping, um, for breast milk production. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, like that's what fascinates me about the world of just herbs and herbalism in general is there's, it's, ba- it's, it's really medicine. It's I mean, medicine, food, yeah. I think even you, you have to be careful. It, yeah. You talk about it. It, it. it definitely. And that's what I, I tell people too. Cause like, I mean, you recommend like a valerian root type tea and I don't know if you've ever drank a valerian root, but that stuff for me knocks me out super quick. Yeah. Like, and it's can be kind of dangerous if you're super sensitive to that stuff. Mm-hmm. It can be dangerous. Like if you're going to go like drive a car, eh, I probably wouldn't yeah. recommend that. <laughs> like right. it, it can knock you out pretty quick. Yeah. Another um, thing I'm really pumped yeah, on is, yeah, is so I've had like with, I've had anxiety and issues with sleep since, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a lot for a few years, man. <laughs> I mean, we had like like the geopolitical situation, <laughs> oh, no. and then I had two toddlers like back to back, and then COVID, and I was just right. really, really having a hard time sleeping. And you know, I was taking anything. I, I mean, I was like so desperate. Like, I mean, I was. I'm talking like three, four hours of sleep for like six months straight, and not being able to sleep. And right. um, it actually ended up going on for like almost two years. And eventually like I got to like seven or five to six hours of sleep, which is a little bit more tolerable, but, and now I'm doing great. But originally what I would do when I got really desperate is I would take pharmaceutical like Xanax, which is will work like that. But I like, Mm. I know that that's not good for you. So I was was really trying hard not to take Xanax all the time. (laughs) And the, um, but, and, and so like, you know, I was pretty serious and like, I, Gosh, somebody recommended, you know, it's Andrew Huberman. He recommended to me um, chamomile, like mm. like there's this molecule in chamomile called apigenin. And I was like, I like, I like wanted to laugh, you know, like, give me a break. Like, dude, I take Xanax. Like, I, this is not going to help me. I, I kid you not. It is right. the number one thing that helps me the most is, is chamomile. Wow. That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's insane. You know, do you know much about apigenin? Uh, yeah, actually, I did a bunch of research on it because I'm like, is this going to kill me? Can I take like, can I take this every single day? And yeah. it's actually like very benign. And if anything, like has anti-cancer effects. And I mean, I wouldn't say it's, you know, going to prevent cancer or something like that. But it's, you know, it doesn't promote <laughs> right. cancer. You know, it's 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 more of a helper than a than a harmer. And and then what I've noticed is that I just, I just have the much better sleep and I just, it's common. It's not the kind of like drugged out sleep where you wake up feeling weird or anything. And also and this is going to maybe TMI, mm-hmm. but like super interesting after I had babies, like I was getting up to use the restroom like two, three times a night. And after I started taking that, I like, yeah. I don't any, I don't get up anymore. I just sleep through the whole night for seven hours. It's insane. Insane. <laughs> like I can't yeah. even believe it. Yeah. So, uh, you know, to me, that's just like amazing that a flower put in hot water and mm-hmm. like have that effect. It's so cool. Right. Exactly. And like, like I said, this is, this is why I'm so fascinated by um, the world of teas and everything is for this exact reason. And just knowing like that chamomile contains this epigenin that does countless things. Like not only does it help you with sleep and got you off of Xanax, but it also reduced, had the side effect of reducing the amount of times you're going to go to the bathroom. Like I know. That's and like that's not even weird. an indication anywhere, but like I swear. I swear it works. <laughs> <laughs> right. And yeah, it's 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 that's why I mean there's some herbs that I like to just work with daily because I think they're so important 
in helping us like dandelion root, for example, <laughs> really does some amazing things for the liver. And like, again, I, I'm trying to, to understand and figure out all of these things from a chemical standpoint, like figuring out, okay, these herbs contain epigen and I'm just going to keep using that because that's fresh on my mind now. But like, and so how the mechanisms actually work, that's what fascinates me. And that's what I'm trying to convey to other people. It's like, listen, you can do this, like you can take this Xanax or before taking that, why don't you try chamomile tea or the stronger stuff like valerian root and see, see how it works and see how you feel. I was just going to say that it, yeah, it's super interesting, but I would wager based on what I know about plants and nutrition and, and biology that it's probably not just one ingredient or one molecule in, in each one. I think one, one of the things that's cool about the way nature interplays with our bodies is that it's dynamic and there's more going on than just, I mean, yes, like in a lot of cases it is one molecule doing one specific thing, but I, I, often there's some sort of symbiotic or uh, synergistic effect of mm-hmm. different things in the plant that are doing different things in your brain that work together to to produce a very cool effect. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting that you bring that up too. Cause I was just, um, I just had an episode with Dr. William Lee. Are you familiar with him at all? No. Okay. Um, yeah. So he is, he talks or he wrote a book called eat to beat disease and talks a lot about tea and like digs into exactly stuff like this. But one of the things that he's researched is the differences on the angiogenic effect in our bodies and how sencha green tea versus jasmine green tea versus earl gray black tea have on angiogenesis in our bodies. And what they found was that surprisingly, because everyone thinks of green tea as like the healthiest tea. So like they were thinking like the Japanese sencha green tea is going to just knock it out of the park. What they found was actually the black earl gray tea was the highest, an- or this is, and this is just for angiogenesis, so healthiest, mm, right, um, right, but right. it had the highest angi- anti-angiogenic properties, which is what he researches for, um, for preventing cancer. Mm-hmm. And what he was saying is that he links it to that synergistic effect of Earl Grey contains a bergamot oil with the black tea. So the bergamot oil is an orange extract, basically. And they think that the combination of the two herbs promote this anti-angiogenic process in our body which i mean like it's blew my mind (laughs) yeah that's super cool yeah do you know much about um some compounds that you that are extremely prevalent in tea such as like gaba or egcg do you know much about those uh i mean i know a lot about gaba is it l-theanine in tea Uh, and l-theanine actually yeah i think that'd be good because that's all in the brain as well yeah, you know, what's interesting is one of the other main supplements I take before going to bed, because I've been like troubleshooting my sleep issues for so many years now, is a combination of GABA right. and L-theanine, because that's super relaxing yeah. on, to your to your mind. And it's it's very cool that tea has this combined effect of being a bit of a stimulant, but also being relaxing. And I would wager that that's one of the reasons that meditators gravitate toward it, mm-hmm. because... yeah that's sort of the exact state you want to be in when you're perfectly focused and calm. Um, but there's, you know, there's something to be really said about that state 
of, of mind as opposed to just supercharged, like triple espresso, you know, <laughs> rocket launch in yes. the morning. You know, sometimes you really want to be more focused and more creative. And there's a case to be made that tea would be better for that. Yeah. Yeah. It's something I've experienced uh, predominantly with matcha. And that's where a lot of people will talk about L-theanine, especially in matcha, because so what matcha is for anyone who is listening, it doesn't know. It's basically you take the green tea leaf and you grind it to a fine powder and you, you consume the actual leaf instead of just steeping and infusing the leaf. And so you have a higher level of these compounds within matcha compared to an infused green tea. And I can speak firsthand that that's, I, that's why I love matcha is if I like need a super energy boost, but also I don't want to crash and have any jittery crappy feeling. I turn to matcha instead of like a coffee, a coffee gives me that spike. And then I crash about 30 minutes to an hour later and I feel like shit the rest of the day. But matcha I don't know. It it does it. And I think, like you said, I would wager it's because of that. It re- mm. really is. Very cool. So what's your favorite what's your favorite tea? Or do you have one? I do. Well, I have a handful of favorites. Um, matcha is a little strong for me. Uh, I, I, for some reason, when I was a kid, I could drink coffee at 10 p.m. and be totally fine. And now, when I was a kid, when I was like 15. <laughs> um, and now I cannot. <laughs> so, um, But uh, I love, I love, love, love the Japanese senchas. When they're fresh and perfect yeah. little needles, they're, I love them. Um, to me, that is so just juicy and delicious. I'm also, like I was saying earlier, completely obsessed with the Formosa oolongs from Taiwan. They, to me, they just, they almost taste like, like a croissant or like some (laughs) like pastry that is like decadent, but they're not sweet. They're they're but they have this like toasted brioche, Mm. like a yeasty almost just flavor that I just, I love it. They're so good. Um, Those are probably my, my favorite go-to's. Do you know much about the processing of the uh, oolong? I don't know too much. I would love to go to Taiwan and do all the tours because yeah. I know there's like that. So the Formosas tend to be in little balls. The Ansi oolongs, which are from the same region, they're like twisted little tea mm-hmm. they, tea leaves. Um, they're similar but different. You know, I can definitely taste the difference. And the Ansi is a little more subtle. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I, I would love, I would love to go see that, see that done. I just, yeah. and I get very excited when, cause they are seasonal and there's these different yeah. mountains that they grow on like Lishan and Alishan. And, um, I think I like the Alishan the best. Okay. The, of the Formosa oolongs in the springtime. Yeah. You, <laughs> so, you know, a lot, what you made it sound before the show is that you didn't know a lot about tea, but. Well, I don't, I don't know a lot <laughs> about the science. Like I don't, you know, I, yeah. I drink tea and I, I was really fortunate that, well, for a lot of reasons, but one is that for like two decades, I lived in San Francisco okay. and there's a beautiful tea shop in Chinatown called Red Blossom Tea. And you can go in there. I mean, that's still where I get my tea from. That's where I order. If I'm getting Chinese tea, that's where I order it from. And, but you could go in there when you live there and there's this amazing woman that works there and she just knows everything. She just knows yeah. everything about everything in Chinese tea. And I, we've, I've been in there probably half a dozen times and spent an hour or two tasting different teas with her and, and drinking tea. And it's so, so fun, but I learned so much because you can compare 
the different, like that's how I get into vintages of tea, you know, it's like, yes, <laughs> because yeah. I, you know, I, I can have, you know, I taste this mountain and this mountain and this mountain in spring of this year and this year and this year. Mm-hmm. And that's really fun. And then, um, yeah, I've done a little bit of that in, in, with the Sencha's in Japan, but not as much because obviously yeah. I didn't live, live in Japan. Yeah. That's a, that's a good recommendation. I'm actually going to be in San Francisco less than a month now. So oh my God, you have to go. Yeah. You I can know. just walk in. I, well, I don't okay. know. You should probably I was call say, is COVID, it, but I was like, is it open right now? Cause I'm, you're getting me all excited. And if I show up and it's not there. Yeah. Call cause of COVID, but I, I'm, I, <laughs> I can't imagine anything holds this lady back from like sharing tea. She just right. like loves to teach people about tea and it's really cool. Oh my gosh. She's that's, always, yeah. <laughs> I got super, now I'm getting super excited. Um, no, it's, that's amazing. And yeah, like you were saying, just with the, I, I find it absolutely fascinating at how the differences, like you said, of like the rolling versus the, or like the, yeah, I guess, would you call it rolling versus the, like the balls versus the, like the long twist twisting. Yeah. yeah. The twisting and how that does bring out different flavors mm-hmm. as well as the. It oxidizes differently in, in the yeah. air exposure. Yep. Oxidizes differently. And actually like the unraveling in you, in the hot water releases the volatiles differently as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely crazy to me. <laughs> and mm, um, yeah, it's super interesting. Yeah. And then that, and on top of you were saying you were getting the spring, the spring flush or the first flush, the spring harvest uh, type teas, which first flush, that's what it's called. Love that's that. what it's called. Yeah. The first flush, which, which is typically the mo- more expensive, the, you don't find that stuff always. It's us, us so Americans. It's very special. Yeah. If you can get your mm-hmm. hands on it, it's really, really special. You, we don't, us Americans don't get that too often. They they yeah. give us the second and third flush, which is the summer and fall, which is less sweet, a little more mm-hmm. bitter, astringent. Um, You'll like stuff. Red Blossom. You can get yeah, on their okay. mailing list. I'll tell you when it comes out. <laughs> uh, thank you. I it's not cheap. Will. It's not cheap, tea, but it's worth it. But yeah, it's definitely worth it. And I'm definitely going to add them to the show notes because people uh, definitely are going to want to check that out. They don't um, pay me, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not affiliated either, clearly. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Um, so, okay. So just real quick, going back to the whole dieting thing for someone looking maybe to diet, not diet. I don't want to stick away from that word. Looking to lose weight in like a sustainable way. But like you said, they're kind of in this mindset of like, oh, just so stuck, so trapped of these old habits and, and everything. Is there like for, from your perspective, a good way of starting that process? Like besides being conscious to these habits and these triggers, like what would like an actually be like a, a good action step to take? Yeah, I think, you know, the, the two things, one is start small. So I, I think that we as Americans, especially have a tendency to want to just dive in head first and do something crazy that will mm-hmm. get results quickly and that will backfire. It's very tempting. I understand the temptation to like just make progress, but it will backfire. It does not last. And if anything, it creates bad habits, bad mental spaces. Um, it'll backfire and uh, often leaves you in a worse place than where you started. So pick one or two habits at a time. I think that one of the best things people could do, and it sounds so simple, but just eat more vegetables. Like, even if they don't taste good, just like, but first of all, try to make them taste good. Yeah. But even if you're like at the type of restaurant, you're like, the only thing good here is the French fries, like whatever, just make yourself eat vegetables at the beginning of the meal. Like if I find myself at a crappy pizza place, I'll, I'll always eat a salad. 
Because otherwise yeah. I'll eat an extra piece of pizza, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, but like those vegetables, they don't just replace the piece of pizza, but they will make you actually feel nourished. Even kind of crappy vegetables, you'll feel more nourished than had you not eaten them. And that is a huge step toward breaking the bad habits. Because it's, it's you, we don't, we're like, um, as like a Western culture, we tend to be both overnourished and undernourished. So we have overnourishment in the macronutrients, you know, protein, carbs, fat, but we're undernourished in the micronutrients, the phytonutrients, all those little mm-hmm. tiny things that your body actually needs to function properly yeah. and not just be in triage mode all the time. So right. the more diverse and complete and unique every single thing you eat is, the more likely that your body's actually going to feel satisfied with what you eat. And if you're satisfied, then you, the odds of having five cookies after dinner or, you know, a pint of ice cream or something that you'll super regret, the, the, the odds of that happening just, I mean, I used to do that. Like I used to, <laughs> I'd be still hungry at the end of the day or at least feel unsatisfied and then like eat a whole bunch of something bad for me, like a lot of yeah. it. And like, that's the worst thing you can do because those things are the most calorically dense. You're doing it at night, which is really bad for sleeping bad for your metabolism it's just like it's like the it's like the perfect storm of bad behavior (laughs) so but like (laughs) since i started eating vegetables and just like got more into just cooking for myself and you know i still eat carbs but i eat unprocessed carbs you know like i eat oatmeal and i eat rice and i eat a potato but i don't eat i don't eat like crackers or stuff like that you know i don't eat a lot of pasta i don't eat a lot of definitely like the middle aisles of the grocery store. Like I'm not in there ever. And, um, yeah. And I just completely stopped having cravings at night. They're just gone. And, you know, Mm. so I think eating vegetables, it sounds so boring and not sexy, but it works. Yeah. (laughs) No one wants to hear that advice, (laughs) but well, here's what I recommend to people. So what I recommend to people is go learn about good food. So I, vegetables are not fun if you go to your like standard industrial grocery store and buy their shitty vegetables. Like they're not good. And they're the same. Mm. They're commo- they, They're treated like commodities. They're the same all year round. They're grown with like basically the minimum amount of nutrients to make them b- big as fast as possible so they can sell them without them going bad. So they're not bred for flavor. They're not, they're bred for like shelf life. And like, I kid you not, like I'll go to a grocery store and I'll like get some broccoli or some kale and I'll, it'll smell like mildew. Like no wonder nobody wants to eat this. Whoa. Right? It's disgusting. Yeah. Like seriously, give it a whiff. Like you'd be yeah. shocked. Um, and whereas <laughs> if you go to a place that actually cares, it'll cost more money, but not a lot. Vegetables are not that expensive. It's mm-hmm. the fruit that's expensive. Um, but spend a little more money, get something in season, get, get something good that you actually want to eat. And taste the difference. Yeah. And then you can get excited about vegetables because I only eat what's in season. Like I'm so excited about winter squash right now because I haven't had them in mm. eight months, you know? And when spring yeah. comes around, I get so excited about asparagus because I haven't had it in a year. And, you know, that th- that's the way you can build what I was talking about earlier, which is that intrinsic motivation to actually love the healthy habit that you you're building because yeah, if you're if you feel like it's a torture or some sort of punishment to do the right thing, then it's always going to be it's always going to require some kind of willpower. And if you're using willpower, you're going to lose because it's yeah. never going to be a habit. And as long as it's not a habit, you're going to break one day. 
So what you really want to do is build that intrinsic motivation, build that reward so that I, I crave salads. Like I crave good salads. And like, if I go on yeah. a trip or something yeah. where I'm in Vegas or, you know, someplace where there's just not a lot of vegetable eating happening, I get home and I'm just like salad, yeah. <laughs> like, give me salad give me, or death. Yes. Um, I just can't take it. And like, that's what you're winning. Yeah. If you're craving salad because you haven't had enough vegetables and your body feels it, like every cell in my body can feel yep. the lack of that nutrition um, and multivitamins mm-hmm. do not make it up. They do not. So, yeah. you know, that's where you want to be. You want to be to the point where your body craves nutrition and knows what that feels like. Yeah. And it, you know, it takes some work and it takes some time and you have to learn to cook and you have to do all sorts of things. But if you can get there, then you win. Yeah, I can. Oh my gosh. I'm just picturing myself because my weird thing, I, when I know I need vegetables is I crave cucumbers, cucumbers. <laughs> so I just like, <laughs> I need a cucumber. And I'm like, I just want <laughs> to just take a raw cucumber and just bite into it. And I, and that's when I know I'm like, okay, you've been eating a bunch of crap lately. Like that's, that's my triggers as I know that. So I, I could speak exactly to what you're saying. It's um, that. And then I think the best, just as you're talking, I'm thinking about like all my habits and the best things I've done for myself, I think is one I've made pretty much, I eat tacos every single night, but like they're not standard tacos. Like I put like Brussels sprouts, uh, sweet potatoes, grass fed beef, um, just any vegetable. Like you said, I try to do in season. I'm not the best at that, but like throw a bunch of vegetables into a wok or something and mix it all together and throw it in a tortilla and it's a taco. And I tell people that and they're like, that's not a taco. I'm like, eh. <laughs> it, it is. I though. do this exact same thing to my kids. So my yeah. kids, they are toddlers. So, you know, yeah. it's, it's the same as me. Yeah. Feeding them is a uh, same as you. Right? <laughs> so, so, um, <laughs> They're, uh, you know, feeding them is can be challenging at times, but we For have sure. this book called Dragons Love Tacos. And it's, it's a really cute story about these dragons that love tacos, but they can't have spicy yeah. salsa or they like burn the house down. Um, okay. <laughs> so my kids were like, I was like, well, the dragons love tacos. Would you guys like to try tacos? And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, it's like, okay, but mild salsa, right? Not no spicy salsa, my mild yeah. salsa. Anyway, so I started giving them tacos and they will, at this point, it's been over a year. They would eat anything in taco form. Like I, we've like, sometimes they're like, I don't want the kale. I'm like, they'll just put it in the taco and they'll eat it. Like they'll Mm -hmm. eat anything. It's amazing. It's like a magic trick. It is. It is. Tacos are. And that stuff like that, you know, like stuff like that is exactly how healthy habits can be built. Cause it's like, that's your thing. Like you eat healthy tacos. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And my next step is now I want to start making the tortillas because I love corn tortillas. Mm. So super easy to make. I think you just buy like corn flour and like you, you can know. buy made masa often. You're, yeah, yeah, exactly. And then what you just like flatten it onto a pancake, and then you just well, you can get a tortilla it. press. We have tortilla. Oh, press. That would be um, yeah, that'd be the cool and, thing to do. Yeah, and you have to sort of you have to figure out the dough and get the get the water ratios right. But yeah, with enough practice, you can figure it out. Um, you just put some like wax paper and yeah, yeah, yeah. Very so cool. That's, that's gonna be my next step because, like I said, I eat them so often. I'm literally gonna make some after this, so it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's just what I'm gonna do. Um, that and then the big, the other big thing is my sweet snack. Although the holidays, my my mom loves to cook like cookies and stuff, and she came um, recently and baked a bunch of cookies. So <laughs> I, I had to, I literally had to throw out majority of them because I'm like, I'm gonna eat eat all of these. But my sweet snack is typically like mango, frozen mango. Mm. I'm telling you, it's ice cream. It's <laughs> been the best thing for me. And then also dark chocolate chips with like blueberries. 
I absolutely mm. love like love mm. that. So that typically takes care of me, and then a cup of tea, and I'm mm. and I'm like satiated for the night. But I do have my, I love my pizza. I do have my my yeah, shameless and things. Fine. That, yeah, exactly. Pizza, pizza's great. Yeah, uh, exactly. You know what's so crazy? I'm so sensitive to caffeine that I can't eat chocolate at night anymore either. Oh wow! Yeah, I, I can have like a tiny bite, but it'll if I have like. You know, like one of those bars is like standard size chocolate bars, like mm-hmm. just like a dark chocolate bar. If I eat half of one, which, you know, I can, like that doesn't sound like too much food to me. Right. Um, I will not sleep. I'll be up all night. It's like, wow. Yeah, yeah. That's, that is a sensitivity. Yeah. yeah it's that's, really annoying. <laughs> yeah, that can be. Have you ever, um, have you ever tried cacao, like a drink? Yes. Cacao. It's delicious. I think it's like it's the delicious. fruit. Mm-hmm. The, what, the, you say the fruit? Yeah. Like the fruit, like the frothy fruit drink. No, no. Oh. It's actually it's basically just um oh my gosh, I'm blank. Cold pressed cacao is like it's a, just the chocolate powder basically. Okay. So, like, so I, I was talking about the chocolate pod. The chocolate There's like a pod, fruit around yes. it. Um, that's really good too. It might be just that ground up. I've only ever gotten it in a cold pressed like ground up type mm. fashion. So it might be the same thing that we're talking about. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, cacao but, is just like raw chocolate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's just yeah. there's nothing else to it. And I've been loving like that's been my um, if I want like a lower caffeine, even though actually I don't know the full caf like milligrams of caffeine. It might be more than a cup of tea, depending on the tea. But if I like I do that, especially in this cold, like I'm in Minnesota, it's freezing all the time, and I do that with like dandelion root and just throw a bunch of herbs and spices like cayenne pepper, cinnamon, oh, wow. a, a little bit of sugar just to enhance and magic the, elixir. Oh yeah, oh yeah, it's <laughs> it's good. And throwing some like, cordyceps mushrooms and oh my god, rhodiola. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's, I feel like my husband would love that. <laughs> yeah, like, like all, I, all his like buzzwords. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the mushrooms, especially nowadays, like people people are loving them. And uh, and I cooked with lion's mane for the first time. My girlfriend and I, we actually cooked it for breakfast. Oh my! Just got some goodness. in my fridge. It's just the season just started here in Oregon. Yeah. Have you ever cooked it before? Oh, it's delicious. Oh my, my gosh. One of my favorite mushrooms. Yeah. It's so yeah. good. So good. Just some butter and garlic and I should make that for my kids stuff. for dinner. I'm going to make that yeah. for my kids for dinner. Good there idea. There you go. <laughs> there you have it. Well, Daria, I mean, is there anything else that you uh, want to enlighten me or anyone with? Otherwise, uh, yeah. I mean, I think we covered everything. Um, I mean, there's most a lot of my wisdom about. these days is over at on my, my podcast, the Daria Rose yeah. Show. I've been talking yeah. a lot about science and kids a lot lately because it's kind of the world I'm in right now. I'm just kind of stuck in baby land for the last four years, but um, yeah. other stuff too. I just did it. My last podcast was on finance, <laughs> personal finance. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. What I like about, I was, I was giving your show um, a few listens and I think your very first episode is just like about basically the scientific method and like just mm-hmm. the structure of how science works. And, mm-hmm. you know, for someone like, like myself, like I said, having just a science background, I was like, yeah, this makes sense. But like, if you've never heard it before or like forgot it from high school, it's a great episode just to refresh yourself as to what scientists are doing in the world. Yeah. And like, and, and people don't know. I mean, like the way right. an academic lab works, you know, people don't know where the money comes because people are like, oh, scientists have an agenda. It's like, that doesn't even make sense <laughs> if you know how the finances work and how peer review works and how publication right. works. It's like, the only agenda is to like make good science because if you don't, your peers mock you and trash you and you get lose your job and you lose your yeah. funding. So yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. I mean, not that, like obviously career. it happens, obviously like 
yes. it can happen and people have unconscious biases. But, you know, it, I think that it, it, yeah, it's super helpful to shed light on things that, you know, that is, you know, because it is the ivory tower and it is sort of like this black box and the average person in the public doesn't necessarily know right. how these claims are made or why they're made with certain mm-hmm. amount of conviction or not. And um, yeah, I thought that would be helpful for people to hear. Yeah. No, like I said, I loved it. And uh, I think it's important for that to be shared with, with everyone. So thank you. So it's the Daria Rose show, correct? Yeah. Yeah. And anywhere you can find podcasts. Is there anything else, any other like website or anything people can go find your work at? I mean, DariaRoseShow.com mainly. I mean, my, I have a long, like I said earlier as summer, his summer tomato, there's like a lot, a lot, a lot of healthy eating material over there. Um, 10 years worth of very valuable information, but I don't update it a lot these days. Um, yeah. but it's all, it's all there. And also my book foodist. Um, if you, yeah. if you like, if you want to stop dieting and learn to eat like me and like create these habits, I laid it out in that book. Beautiful. Perfect. Yeah, well, Daria, thanks. I appreciate you and I appreciate your time. Yeah. Thanks so much. Thank you to Daria for that awesome conversation. Remember to check out her podcast, the Daria Rose show at dariaroseshow.com or where you listen to podcasts. If you want to dive deeper into the health benefits of tea and herbs and learn from people like yourself, then join our free Fresh Steeps community now so you can drink the best tea for yourself today. All you have to do is click the Fresh Steeps community link in the show notes and follow the prompt. Thanks for tuning in today. I appreciate you, love you, and hope you have a great day. Peace out. Thank you.